A Handful of Stars by Cynthia Lord. Chapter 8. That night at supper, I told Mamere and Papere my plan. You're 12 years old, Mamere said. It's enough for you to sell your bee houses at the store. I could feel myself sitting up straighter. The more people who see them, the more chance I have to sell them, I told her. How are you going to get everything to the fair? Mamere asked. You can't take it all on your bike. I glanced at Papere. Oh, no, Mamere said, shaking her finger. The festival is a big weekend for us at the store. I can't lose Papere that weekend. We could ask someone to help out at the store, Papere suggested. You think this is a good idea? Mamere snapped at him. That's just like you, encouraging our kids to leap before they look, so they're never happy with what they have. The our kids hung in the air. She meant Mama and me. I looked down at Lucky on the floor beside my feet, his chest rising and falling in sleep. You never know what you can do until you try, Papere said. I lifted my eyes. He was grinning at me. I grinned back because I knew what we were both thinking. We outnumber her. Mamere must have known it too because she stopped arguing. Well, it's your money, Lily. And it was a lot of money. I couldn't think about it too much or I'd get scared. The next morning I pulled in a deep breath and took $100 out of my money jar for Lucky. I wish Salma could come with me, but she was raking, and I was determined to do this. I folded the bills up to fit in my pocket, just like it was something I'd do any day. It didn't make my pocket bulge out too far, but it felt so strange to be carrying that much money. As I walked toward town, I wondered if everyone driving by would know something about me was different. Walking up the steps of the First Parish Congregational Church, I imagined Mama behind me. She whispered in my ear, "'Who cares what anyone thinks?' Mama never did. At least that's what people say about her. Papere said she had a laugh that carried clear across the store, and everyone knew it was her. She wore long, flowy skirts, even when they weren't in style. I think beautiful people like Mama and Selma have an easier chance of getting away with being different, though. My looks must come more from my father, since no one else in my family has brown hair like me. All I know about my father is that he was a musician from New York, and that's where Mama met him. Maybe if things hadn't turned out the way they did, I would be living there with Mama and him. But Mamere said he was never interested in having children. Good morning, Lily, said Mrs. LaRue, the church secretary. What can I do for you, honey? Mrs. LaRue isn't just the church secretary. She's also one of the organizers of the Blueberry Festival. She's in charge of renting booths, and she's always a judge at the pageant. Some people think it's funny that we hold the pageant in a church, but it's the only building in town with enough seats. Um, hi, Mrs. LaRue. Is this where you can rent a booth for the Blueberry Festival? She smiled. Yes. Are your, what are your grandparents planning to sell? No, I licked my lips. The booth is for me. I reached into my pocket and pulled out my folded money. I have a hundred dollars. That's what it costs, right? Mrs. LaRue stared at the money in my hand. Do your grandparents know you're doing this? I nodded firmly and passed the bills to her. Well, as long as you have their permission. Mrs. LaRue opened her desk drawer and took out a notebook and a receipt book. What will you sell, dear? Bee houses and maybe some food. Definitely bee houses, though. That's my main thing. How about if I put you down as food and miscellaneous, Mrs. LaRue suggested. I swallowed the lump in my throat. Miscellaneous sounds good. You'll be booth number 28, she said. The festival starts at 9 a.m. on Saturday, but you can set up Friday night. I recommend that you wait and bring your merchandise on Saturday, though, because no one will be there to watch over it all night. Would you like a brochure for the festival? It has the full schedule of events. Thank you. 
I took the brochure and folded it to fit in my pocket. It didn't take up as much room as all those bills. She winked at me. I gave you an extra good spot, but don't tell anyone because I'm supposed to assign them in random order. See you at the festival. Walking down the church steps, I felt like I was floating, my feet barely touching the ground. I'd really done it. Maybe Lucky could have his operation before school started. I couldn't wait to tell Selma. I took the long road past the camp on the way home. I marched right by the no trespassing, and all visitors must register at the security building signs with my head held high to the Winthrop Blueberry office to check in. Opening the door, I saw Mr. Winthrop himself at the coffee machine. His eyes widened to see me. I'm here to see my friend Salma, I said. She's a kid and she works here. The sign, out says, says, I, the sign outside says I need to register. They must not get kit, many kids from town out visiting friends at the camp. Mr. Rinthrop didn't seem to know whether he needed me to check in or not, and he's the boss. Just go on ahead, he said. When I knocked on the door at 57, Mrs. Santiago opened it, wearing a tank top and shorts. She put her finger to her lips. Shh, sleeping, she whispered. Heat rushed to my face. Their whole cabin was only one room, so it was like I knocked on someone's bedroom door. Is Salma here? I whispered. It's me, Lily, the girl with the dog who brought the pork pie. Well, it wasn't the dog that brought the pork pie. Why am I telling her this? Her dark brown eyes were kind and understanding. Maybe she wasn't following everything I said, but she was listening like it mattered. Lily, Salma pushed her way past her mom. I was just getting ready to come into the store. Shh, Mrs. Santiago said. My dad is taking a nap. Salma grabbed my arm. Come on, let's go to the playground. I didn't even know there was a playground at the camp. I followed Salma out behind the last line of cottages to three big swing sets, the strong metal kind, like we had at our school playground. On the first set of swings, three boys were swinging, standing up. Two little girls swung on the second set, so Salma and I went right for the empty third set. I had to come because I couldn't wait to show you something. I pulled the brochure for the Blueberry Festival out of my pocket and sat down on the swing next to Salma. I did it. I rented a booth at the festival. Salma grinned. That's great. Now we just have to paint as many bee houses as we can. She looked through the brochure. Wow, I didn't know there were so many things you could do with blueberries. In the brochure, there was even a photo of Hannah wearing her sparkly blue pageant dress and her down east blueberry queen crown. She looked extra fancy with two locks of her blonde hair curled, one on each side of her face, the rest of her hair in a wispy bun. Her whole face shone with a just one gleaming smile. That's my friend Hannah, I said. She's pretty, Salma said, admiring. I nodded. The pageant is always on Friday night, and then the booths open the next day. I told Mrs. LaRue that bee houses would be our main thing, but maybe we should sell some food, too. Not everyone has a garden, but everyone likes to eat. So Mrs. LaRue wrote us down as food and miscellaneous, so we could keep our options open. What food would we sell? Maybe blueberry pies, I suggested. Lots of booths sell those, and I've had plenty of practice making them with my mare. But if lots of booths sell them, ours won't be special. We should make something different, something no one else has, Selma said. How about blueberry enchiladas? Those are good, and I bet they'd be different. Maybe they'd be too different. The whole point was to make money. Selma was being really nice helping me, though, and I didn't want to hurt her feelings. Are they hard to make? I asked, buying myself some time to think about it. Easy as pie. She laughed at her joke. Actually, they're easier than pie. I could show you. We can make a test batch. Can we use your kitchen? 
Of course, I said, and immediately felt bad because she had to share a kitchen with a bunch of families. That's no problem. Are you sure you want to help, though? You're already helping me with bee houses. I'd do anything for Lucky. Salma pushed off and started swinging. And that's what star friends do. Right. I pushed off, too. Pumping with my legs, I went higher and higher, up, up, and whoosh, back down. My hair rushed behind me and then in front of me. I'm flying, Salma said. Me too. I tried to look over at her, but my hair immediately got in the way. The ground sped past. Up I went until my toes appeared to touch the roofs of those little blue houses. Then even higher, they reached toward the far-off barrens, free-falling down, down. My hair streamed out in front as the ground rushed toward me, and then the swing grabbed and threw me up on the other side. I clenched my teeth. Blood rushed in my head, making my ears pound. Higher, This time my toes seemed to skim the mountaintops above the barrens. It was breathtaking to go so high. Scary, but I didn't care. I'd always thought of being brave as a big thing, fighting aliens or sailing across the ocean or singing in front of a whole church full of people all by myself. Maybe bravery didn't have to be that big, though. Today I'd only felt a little braver than I was scared, just enough to tip the scales. But that was all I needed. I'd done brave and big things. I'd rented a booth. I'd gone to the camp by myself, I'd made a star friend, and I was swinging like I could fly. I imagined that little bit of extra brave as a beach stone, small and hard and smooth worn. I wrapped my hand around that pretend stone to hold it tight and swung up again and again until my toes touched the sky.